brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make your podcast. You can create, distribute, and monetize your content right from your phone. Anchor is completely free to use with no storage limits, no trial period, and no strings attached. Easily distribute your podcast to every major podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I even use Anchor for my podcast, so download the app today or visit anchor.fm. Welcome to the Three Course Combo Podcast, where we serve you three of the hottest topics in the food world. I am your host, Paul O. Mims. This is season one, episode one, and let's just say I am so happy to finally launch this thing. A little background information about how I conceived this idea. Um, When I was in grad school, I was in a course called Hot Topics in Food Science, and we will have discussions and panels about literally the hottest topics that were happening in the food world. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought, hmm, why not turn this into a podcast? And literally, here I am today. So here you go. This is episode one. I always like to start off the podcast by giving a shout out or honorable mention to you know, some colleagues or people that I feel like you guys should be should know and to understand. So I would like to give a shout out to um, Adam Diltz, Chef Adam Diltz. He just opened up his restaurant not too long ago, Elwood, that's located in Fishtown. Um, he's getting rave reviews. Um, I saw that he was featured in Eater.com and actually he's a finalist in 2019 Eater Awards for um, Chef of the Year and Restaurant of the Year for Eater Philly. So congratulations, Adam Diltz. And if you have time in Philly, go check out L. Wood, where he literally goes back in time and he served dishes that are keen to the Pennsylvania um, heritage. So all the game and all the produce and all of the, you know, um, foreign fauna that you find in native Pennsylvania, he's bringing it back to the table. So check it out. So let's dig in. Our first course is all about the French delicacy, foie gras. Now, you're probably wondering why are we just talking about foie gras? Well, on October 30th, New York City passed an overwhelming yes to ban foie gras to be sold in New York City. Now, um, for those who do not know what foie gras is, foie gras is when you force feed a goose or a duck to the point they develop fatty liver and we eat that liver. So you're literally kind of eating diseased uh, duck or goose liver. But I would like to say it's really, really good. I've had foie gras many times. Um, in Paris, in um, Montreal, and uh, some other places. So I've had it before, and it's really fucking good. But um, that's not the issue. The issue is that animal activists have called on to ban it because it is inhumane, and it's force-feeding these goose, these geese and ducks by putting a tube down their throat and force-feeding 
a mixture of corn and fat. And so these fat deposits are on the liver and it causes them to have fatty liver and engorged and fatty livers that we eat. So on October 30th, the New York City Council overwhelmingly passed legislation that banned the sale of foie gras in the city, um, which is one of the largest markets in the country. But this won't begin until 2022. I'm reading this from the New York Times. So, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So, um, New York is following suit of California, actually. Um, California, I believe, banned foie gras in 2004. Um, it was then overturned, and it was allowed, and then it was overturned again, and then it was banned again, and I think as of now, it's still banned. So, um Foie gras, like I said, is a French delicacy. Um, it's heavily used in France, um, in the fine dining world, uh, New York City. Um, I think records show there's about a thousand restaurants in New York City that sell or serve foie gras in their restaurants. It's a lot of restaurants. But I'm actually surprised it's not more than that since New York City has a shit ton of restaurants. Um, but anyway, so... Um, this has struck a bomb for, I guess, local foie gras producers in New York, upstate New York, preferably the Hudson Valley. Um, Hudson Valley foie gras, I believe, is the farm. They uh, produce um, a lot of foie gras for the country, and New York City makes up about 30% of their business, according to the New York Times. I'm sorry, Hudson Valley Frog Rock. Yes, that's what it's called. That's what I said. Um, and they slaughter about 800 ducks a day. Um, about $15 million are sold from the farm worth of foie gras the past year. That's a lot of money. Frog is not cheap. Um, good foie gras is definitely not cheap. Um, when I was in Paris, let's just say I had a slab of foie gras and some baguette crusty baguette and I paid about 45 euros I believe for my meal I think I have a glass of wine too so I'm not going to say that was completely 45 but I had a glass of wine but it's not cheap guys it's not cheap so um basically uh the New York City Council I believe there's an animal activist that's on the council who um like PETA and other activists they believe that this is inhumane and that it should be not um produced um I, for one, personally, won't consider myself an animal activist. Uh, I love animals, but I'm... No, no. First of all, I always used to make the joke that uh, the only way you can get Republicans and Democrats to agree on the same hatred is um, their hatred for PETA. I used to always say that to people, because, like, it's fucking true. Um, PETA is a little extreme, and they're a little, quite annoying, um, but other animal activists also followed suit, and um, this is the, the big talk that's been happening for the past decade or so about foie gras. Um, and not just foie gras, there are other, other fine dining uh, f- food production that's been uh, talked about in the news, um, not just foie gras, but you also have about caviar, the production of caviar, um, which is also a hot topic. Um one of the main things that people were really upset about on the side of producing foie gras is that these farms, such as the Hudson Valley foie gras, 
will lose a lot of business. They already lost a lot of business when California um, had to ban or has to ban currently. Um, they said they lost about $50,000 worth of revenue per week from the loss of the Amer- California market, according to New York Times. Um, but the ban will not take effect in New York City until three years from now. So 2022 is when that ban will actually begin. Um, people who um, violate this will have a $2,000 fine um, that they would have to pay. Um, but there will not be any jail time. Apparently that uh, was eliminated from the proposed criminal penalty. Um the uh, Miss Rivera, who is part of the council, uh, she says that these farms should be fine and they shouldn't have any worries. Um, three years gives them enough time to change their business model, yada, yada. So um, 800 ducks being slaughtered a day is a lot, but you, this is probably the same as chickens. We eat chickens, right? Um, and I would like to say that it's not just ducks or geese who are inhumanely... Uh, raised. I think there are a lot of entities in our food system that are inhumane and aren't just, and uh, we still engage in them. So I honestly believe why this uh, hatred, this particular hatred for foie gras, um, is it just something to, you know, get out of elitism? Because, you know, foie gras is is part of the fine dining culture, so it has a sense of elitism, um, I agree with that. Um, I don't know what the main reason is. I know it's they say it's because of animal rights, but I think there's something else to it. I believe there's something else to this. Um, and I personally just think there are other things to worry about, to be honest. I, um, like our environment, uh, like global warming there are other shit that's happening at the moment that we need to worry about um other than some ducks and some geese that's my personal opinion if you like it or not that's how i feel we should have other things to worry about and new york city council instead of worrying about this the um foie gras being sold can you still worry about your school systems and how segregated they are like i don't know it's just other things that i feel like we should talk about other than you know banning fatty liver I, and I don't know, as a foodie um, or a food enthusiast, um, I enjoy eating it, but I don't have to eat it all the time. It's something that I reward myself when I go places such as France or Montreal or New York City, but I don't eat foie gras often. I probably won't want to eat it often. Um, it's not. It's just something that I just don't want to eat often. Um, even if I could afford it, I don't think I would. But, um, I don't know, you know, tell me what you guys think. I just think this is a little bit insane and just uncalled for, but you know, I, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with these farms in the years to come, what kind of business models are going to change. Um, and we'll see about that. But one thing I did find that was very interesting was when I was looking up like a bit of a history of foie gras and the controversy, I was reading some about how a lot of these farmers who raise these ducks or geese, they admit that, um, so when the force feeding happens, it's with the tube down the throat. And many have said that actually geese do not have a gag reflex. Um, 
so they don't they're not in pain when this happens uh, which I found very interesting. And I don't know really much about, I don't know much about geese or duck anatomy, but I found it very interesting. Something about breathing under their tongues um, in contrast to other animals. It was really fascinating um, to learn about that. Um, and I don't know if it's true, if it's just, you know, propaganda. I don't, I don't know. But it's just something to think about. And, um, I really am interested in where this goes. And are other states going to follow suit? I don't know. Is Washington, D.C. going to follow suit? Um, Trying to think of other places. It's just, it's crazy. It is crazy. So please let me know what you guys think um, about this ban. If you love foie gras or do you think this whole process is ludicrous or uncalled for just just let me know i don't know i have my opinions i just mentioned them so we will see after that all right let's dig into our second course so we had our first um we're satisfied but we're still hungry for a little bit more so let's get into this gig let's get into the second course let's see what we're about to have so this is actually close to home. Um, everyone knows I live in Philadelphia at the moment. Um, and Philadelphia just made history recently. So Philadelphia passed a bill banning stores from going cashless. So what means is that there are certain stores or restaurants that only take credit card or debit card and no cash sales. Um, so Philadelphia made history. Um uh, They're the first city in the U.S. that will take legal action against stores um, who are cashless. So, this law does not affect, though, businesses like parking garages or um, stores with memberships like Costco or BJ's and um, anything that deals with a security deposit. Um. The law was originally supposed to take effect in July of this year, but then it was pushed back to um, this past October to take effect. Um, The mayor, Jim Kenney, signed the bill, um, and Philadelphia made history as it went. Um, So, yeah, let's talk about this. So, um, there are some stores that are cashless, so they only accept credit or debit cards. Um, A lot of restaurants do this. Um, One big example would probably be Sweetgreen. So for those who don't know what Sweetgreen is, Sweetgreen is a fast casual restaurant that serves salads and it's like build your own salads. Um, I like to call it the Chipotle of salads, I guess. Um, There's Sweetgreens all over the U.S. Um, There are a lot in California. There's some in New York. There's some in Philadelphia. So a huge major big urban areas, big cities, they usually have sweet green. Um, just a side note, sidebar, I hate sweet green. I hate sweet green. Actually, all of those fast casual salad places, I do not like at all. Um, and I eat salad, but like, let me tell you about sweet green for a moment. Sweet green, um, yes, you can build your own salads, but I don't know. I don't know if there's, it's their ingredients. It's, I, I, like, I just don't like it. Every time I eat a salad from there, I am dissatisfied. Um, I have come to know that one salad 
that they have is like okay and like it's decent and that's their harvest bowl and i think it has like kale apple almonds um roasted sweet potato chicken um a balsamic vinaigrette feta cheese um i add some chickpeas to it yada yada anyway um i just do not like sweet grain i uh, like oh i just don't like it at all but Sweetgreen is notoriously known for being cashless. They only accept credit card, um, some other, other small businesses, sandwich shops. They only accept credit card, no cash at all. So, um, yeah, it's a thing. And a lot of places, not even just restaurants, but a lot of places are trying to go cashless. And one of the biggest things that they said helps going into this direction is because it um, diminishes the uh hassle of dealing with cash and um, theft. So uh, a lot of thefts that happen in restaurants or, or businesses is usually due to cash flow. And so they're trying to get rid of that and cut back on having cash in the stores. So it's, e- it's easier, more feasible to just to have um, plastic or credit card transactions in the stores. But um, Philadelphia felt that this um, concept was discriminatory And um, here's a quote from uh, one of the council members in Philadelphia, William Gringley. Um, He told Wall Street Journal that he decided to introduce the bill against cashless stores after finding that simple sandwich shops in major urban areas within Philly, um, like Center City, which is like the center of the city of Philadelphia, wouldn't accept cash. He, quote, and I quote, most of the people who don't have credit tend to be lower income minority immigrants. It just seems to me, if not intentional, at least a form of discrimination. So that's a quote from one of the council members. Basically, he um, he's saying that the, this concept is discriminatory because uh, there are a lot of people in the city who do not have access to bank accounts or have credit cards or debit cards and they, why are they barred from going into a restaurant and eating food at a place that doesn't accept cash? Um, also, cashless stores are becoming a trend. So um, I guess in this day and age, a lot of businesses are feeling like they want to move forward with this uh, concept. Um, so let's talk about this. Let's get into this. So, um, so first, I'd like to say that Philadelphia, um, even though it's, I think it's the sixth biggest city in the U.S. Um, it's also one of the poorest. It's the poorest major city in the U.S. Um, there are a lot of people who live under the poverty line in Philadelphia. Um, so a lot of these neighborhoods are disproportionately a minority, black, um, immigrants. Um, Philadelphia is also a huge immigrant um, haven. It's a sanctuary city. So there's a lot of immigrants here. And I get it. I definitely, definitely get it. They are There are a lot of people who don't believe in banks, who don't trust banks, who don't feel like they have access to banks. There are people who paid under the table. They don't have direct deposit. They're in jobs that um, aren't taxed. So there's a lot of things. Um, and one thing I would like to say that was very interesting and that I really didn't think about, but it's absolutely, absolutely true, is about immigrants. So Philadelphia is a huge immigrant city and a lot of these immigrants don't have access to banking accounts um and if they're undocumented they definitely don't have access to banking accounts um so i agree so it i can see it being a form of discrimination 
um, why can't they purchase food from these stores if uh, they don't have cash? So I get it. But here's the thing I like to give advice for. Yes, this is going to turn, but I also like to say that a lot of these places that are cashless aren't even that good food-wise. They're not even that good. So, um, girl, save your cash. Go somewhere else. Like, literally, I'd rather eat at the halal cart than sweet green. I'm just going to be honest. Um, sweet green is not good. Um, girl, save your money. Save your coin and go somewhere else. also like to say, um, I know, I'm a, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. Um, I personally don't carry cash at all. Like, I don't carry cash. I hate carrying cash. I only use credit or debit, whatever. Um, I swipe all the time. I do not use cash at all. First of all, I think it's a hassle for me to go to ATMs and to get money out and to make that trip to the bank. Um, I, 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 If I get mugged, you know, you never know. I just do not like carrying it. Um... So if I lose it or God forbid I get mugged or I'm shit out of luck because that's my money. Um, if I lose a credit card or a debit card, I can easily call and freeze those accounts. This also sounds like a first world problem. So, um, yeah, I'm aware of that. But also, I like to talk about the bigger issue here. I feel like a lot of council members, and especially in Philadelphia... They, okay, I feel like, are these new laws that they're creating or putting in, are they actually beneficial or is it just another ploy to bypass the bigger issue at hand? Like, I feel like a lot of these council members pass these laws or um, enact these laws or regulations to destigmatize poor people, which is fine, absolutely. But at the same time, they're not addressing the bigger issue. Like, are you guys just going to waste your time doing all of these laws or regulations, but you're not actually combating poverty? Can we talk about that for a moment? Like, you're not actually combating poverty. Like, um, why don't you guys focus on the point of raising the minimum wage or, you know, making sure there are resources in these poor neighborhoods or, like, why are we bypassing the bigger issue? I feel like a lot of these laws are passed just to um, scoot around the problem. And absolutely, cashless stores are discriminatory. I agree. I absolutely agree. Like, what the fuck? But at the same time, like, you really need to reevaluate what, what the actual issue is. And I feel like not just Philadelphia, but this government does that a lot. And it's so fucking annoying. And it literally just shows that they, we don't have this conversation. They don't want to have this conversation. So they're going to do whatever they can. Oh, let's just worry about uh, these, not trivial, but things that really aren't addressing the problem. We're just going to put Band-Aids over this gushing wound. And that gushing wound is poverty. And I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Um... And it's something that we really, really need to talk about. We really need to talk about. And for one, I like, it's like if someone was saying, okay, I'm going to try my hardest to destigmatize poor people. Let the, I don't want to let them 
um, be able to find food anywhere and to use their cash anywhere. But at the same time, um, you're going to stay poor. You're going to be in these poor neighborhoods. This is always going to be a fact. But I'll make sure you can buy the salad from Sweetgreen. And, you know, that goes into another point, love. Of course, they should have access to sweet grain because we all know about food deserts in these poor neighborhoods and how they don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables um, and how that is also a huge problem. And that's something we can get into later on in this podcast um, in later episodes. But that's basically what it's saying. And I just don't. I don't agree. I just, I don't agree. And it also brings light to something that happened recently as well about the bulletproof glass in stores. So I don't know if you heard, but recently Philadelphia wanted to ban um, bulletproof glass or make regulations on that inside these stores. Because, okay, if you ever go to a Chinese restaurant or a corner store and they have the bulletproof plexiglass barrier between you and the cashier. um, Yes, I've seen them. Like, you've probably seen them. You live in a city, you've definitely seen them. Um, unless you don't leave your neighbor, your rich ass neighborhoods. Anyway, um, basically, uh, a council member thought to regulate them and ban them because it was a sign of racism. Um, and the argument was why, why are these restaurants, why do these restaurants have this plexiglass? Why can normal restaurants don't have that? If you're sitting down in a restaurant eating their food, there's no glass barrier is just normal operation. Why are these restaurants that do not have seating have these plexiglass? It's literally saying that I don't feel safe in your neighborhood, but I'm going to take your money to keep my business running and to make a profit because the cheap, the rent is cheaper here than if I went into a gentrified neighborhood, which that is a huge problem. That's, uh, mm -mm. that, that's a big no, no. Like if you don't feel safe in this neighborhood, why is your business there? That's how I feel. Um, and their argument, these restaurants are saying that it's a safety issue, which I understand. Yes, if you have multiple robberies happening in your establishment, you have every right as business owners to create barriers to protect your workers and yourself from theft or violence. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're a small business owner and... Um, and you start off in these, you know, neighborhoods, but it, the crime has increasingly gotten worse. Um, and you have the need to create this plexiglass barrier. I get it. Um, I totally understand that. Um, but there's also the thing about, like, if you really could leave and go to another neighborhood, like, you just don't have your restaurant in the neighborhood. I don't know. That's how I feel. But it made me think about the plexiglass regulation from this cashless store ban. Um, and it just made me start thinking about other things that the city is doing just to bypass the bigger issue. Um, other states are following suit of Philadelphia. I believe San Francisco is trying to also pass, uh, a law to, um, ban cashless stores. I think maybe a city of Massachusetts. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, please, please, please tell me what you guys think about that. Um, I actually get really upset if I go to a store that's cash only because I never carry cash on me. But I understand why they're cash only because they don't want to pay the fees for credit transactions. Um, but I'm just always like, oh, fuck, now I got to stop at the ATM and get cash. But usually those cash only stores, they usually have the best food. I'm just going to be honest. And Sweetgreen, who only accepts credit card, ain't good. So... 
it is what it is. I digress, okay? So, um, yeah, that's our second course about these cashless stores. And please tell me what you guys think about that. And so now let's dig into our third course, our final course of this episode. So it's all about California. Now, California has recently had a fall legislative session and they are trying to pass Assembly Bill 5. Assembly Bill 5 is an initiative for restaurant delivery drivers for for services like Uber Eats and DoorDash and Postmates and, you know, yada, yada, um, to have full rights as employees, increasing their um, rights and access to things like competitive pay and healthcare. So for those who do not know, these delivery drivers actually are considered um, independent contractors, so they do not have the same rights as normal employees for a company. Um, that's huge. You know, California has always been a leading force in progressive initiatives. Um, we talked about foie gras in the first course of this episode, and we were saying that California was actually first to have a ban um, on the sale of foie gras. And, you know, they, you know, it's a blue state. It's a very liberal state. So no one's shocked that, the, you know, their goal is to always bring um, equity into the everyday lives of their citizens in that state. So I'm not shocked that they're, you know, pushing this to get restaurant delivery drivers, you know, full rights. And just a little uh, background. So this assembly was um, was held recently, and basically it's awaiting Governor Gavin Newsom's signature. Um, and if it does, if it is signed, it will begin um, January first of twenty twenty. Um, there are thousands of drivers in California and all over the country who are delivery drivers for these services, and this could literally change their lives. <clears throat> So, um, I don't know if people know, but I actually was a DoorDash delivery driver for about two weeks. I only lasted for about two weeks. Um, it was supplemental income, um, in addition to my full time, um, you know, there's never, um, a bad moment to have some extra cash, to have a side hustle. So I did that for two weeks, but I was like, this is too much, um, for me not making that much. So... Which is one of the problems that was brought up in the session was that, you know, for these uh, delivery drivers to be independent contractors, they heavily rely on, you know, the orders and tips, just like, you know, a server. Um, also, to keep in mind, if this does pass, delivery drivers um, will also have the right to get taxes. I hopefully would get taxes taken out Um and they won't have to worry about paying it back or worrying about taxing when it's time to file um, at the beginning of the year during tax return season. <clears throat> so this is huge. I, I, you know, I think this is great. I think anytime we have someone in the hospitality industry who is being recognized to have better benefits is key and it's a goal. And, um... I'm all for it. You know, as a person who's been working in the food industry since I was the age of 15, um, I, I've been a server. I've been a delivery driver. I've worked in a coffee shop. I um, worked in a amusement park. So I know a lot about the food service and um, 
and how shitty the pay is, you know, how shitty the benefits are. And, you know, I would say that when I, during my, I guess, tenure of working in, in food services, I worked for Starbucks for a brief period of my time. Um, and actually, you know, Starbucks, you know, for them to be corporate, um, it was, I would like to admit that it was um, one of the better corporations I've worked for. Uh, they do give health care to their part-time employees if you work 20 hours, um, at least 20 hours a week. Uh, they also give you stock options, and they also um, allow some um, PTO and sick time. So, you know, Starbucks did the damn thing. You know, then, you know, the whole shit happened, you know, in Philly where those two men were arrested um, and Starbucks had a better. But people still get their damn lattes, their pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. So they didn't lose much revenue. People still engage in Starbucks. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm really, you know, really excited for this California um, law if it is passed. Um, now, here's the thing, though. The opposite side of this is that a lot of people fear that once this is passed, a lot of these services will increase their fees to pay for, you know, the extra benefits for their employees. And I like to say, you know, that's a big problem in this country. A lot of people do not they always um, complain and they do not want to pay extra fees for their food. People have complained about going into restaurants and the rising prices of the menu and like they feel like they're not they're not getting a bang for their buck when they order food. And, you know, sometimes I have to inform people who aren't aware that, you know, paying for that meal and that price is bigger than just the food you're eating. You know, you have to pay for, you know, the labor costs. You know, you're paying for that worker's health care and a lot of these, you know, bigger establishments and um, I guess sort of higher end restaurants, you're paying for that healthcare, you're paying for the, you know, to make sure they keep open. There's so much that goes into it. And, but people don't, they like cheap food. This country likes cheap food and this country relies on cheap food. And that's what's one of the issues with our food um, system is that we want things to be there. We want instant gratification and we want things to be cheap. And when things go up, it's a problem. And as these things go up, you know, we also talk about how people's salaries aren't increasing. Um, so people feel like they don't have the buying power to, you know, eat out and to, you know, get the things they want because things are so expensive. And I get it. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, increase those damn salaries. But, you know, like California, where they're trying to pass this thing, they're trying to increase the rights of a lot of these delivery drivers who, you know, do not have the same rights as other employees. And... <clears throat> You know, especially healthcare. I had a friend who delivered for a service and actually he injured himself from falling down the stairs of a resident who he was delivering to. Um, thank God he had healthcare through his parents. Um, he's still under 26. Uh, and he had that privilege because he, you know, had a serious inju injury or, and he, if he didn't have any healthcare, he like, he would have been shut out of luck. He, or he would have went to the doctor and had paid the shit out of pocket. Um, so what about those drivers who, you know, rely heavily on their main income as being a delivery driver and they don't have health insurance um, or, you know, things of that nature that we, you know, a lot of us take for granted. Um, so I think that's something that we really need to discuss and really talk about with these delivery drivers.
<clears throat> well, according to the, the nation's restaurant news, um, Assembly Bill 5 will improve the life for restaurant delivery drivers, but can make food and delivery services pricier um, for people. But these would allow the drivers to be eligible to unionize, receive minimum wage, paid sick days, and health insurance benefits. Um, in which they also fear that it will increase some fees with delivery services. Uh, so, yeah. And I think DoorDash is recently was under fire for um, their tip option or the, their tipping system was being fed into their actual company and not to the drivers. So that... That was a problem. Um, yeah, DoorDash, like, get your shit together. Uh, so, yeah, like, I think this is huge. I think California always, always have, you know, is a leading force, like I said earlier, with these type of initiatives. And I think people will follow suit. I think people are recognizing that these workers have been overlooked. And a lot of them, it's about time for them to be recognized and to be offered those benefits. And I feel like this country needs to wake up and to realize that the hospitality industry, which we so cherish and we expect the utmost uh, professionalism in, but we don't pay our workers. We don't pay the workers. We don't give them what they need. But we expect the best. Um, I don't know. I think it's just ludicrous. And I, I, I just, I, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know. Tell me how what you guys think. I think this is a great initiative. I think that um, we could benefit from this. Those people can benefit from this. Uh, it would be great for others to follow suit. It, it's just a great initiative to have, and I'm all for it. And good job, California. And I hope the governor signs this bill. Um, and there's that. So that was our third course, everybody. California doing the damn thing. There you have it, folks. I just served you our three courses of the day. Thank you for listening to Three Course Convo Podcast. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify and Google Play. You can also find it on my website, mrpaulomims.com. That's M-R-P-A-U-L-O-M-I-M-S.com. If you're on social media, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at mrpaulomims. Bye.